You are listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. Mustafa Jani Rahmat Vilakhun Salam. Radio Ramadan 87.7 FM. Program Reflections. I am your host Zubair Akram. And my guest is my guest, Sheikh Ridwan Muhammad. I welcome you all again for the first time this year. Live transmission of... Uh, Reflections program on Radio Ramadan. Uh, alhamdulillah, uh, yet once again, this is the 25th year of consecutive transmission with all its uh, ease and difficulties. Uh, we are enabled by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yet once again to be with you and bring you reflections. Uh, if my memory serves me right, this is probably 13th or 14th year of reflections with uh, Sheikh Rizwan and I, uh, which we are bringing live uh, to the listeners of uh, Radio Ramadan. Um, Reflections program is on Facebook Live just now and also on YouTube. Um, it is also on 87.7 FM um, and medium wave 1530, uh, along with uh, we have DAB. Uh, which you can tune into if you are driving. Um, rr365.go.uk is our website, and you can uh, watch and listen to this uh, program, Reflections. I welcome my guest from Istanbul, Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Sheikh, um, well, Reflections on Reflections. Um, just feel very excited uh, with this uh, technology and also with the possibility that albeit this pandemic and albeit with uh, all these restrictions, we are still able to do what we have done for many, many years. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed us to um, <clears throat> continue despite the, the distance in terms of Location, we we're obviously in different places. Um, last year, I remember we did our program in the midst of a, a quite a serious lockdown in, in the UK, and it was the first time anybody had experienced a lockdown. So I remember the conversations we were having around that, setting the studio up. I think the week before, we um, put a lot of work into making a very extensive new studio, um, and it was like a distant kind of being together. Um, and a lot of people didn't know that we were in the, actually in the same studio. We were actually in the same building, but separate. Quite a large, I think, five meters between ourselves um, doing the program. And um, yeah. people were saying, well, you're doing it from a different lo- location. Well, I can reveal exclusively, but in fact, you've done it already, that you're in Lahore, Pakistan, and I'm in I'm in between Glasgow and Lahore. <laughs> yep. And um, But we're still you, able you, to you, do... You, you, Sure. You are in the, in the capital of the world. As I say, if the world was one place, Istanbul would be the capital. Inshallah, Istanbul, Constantinople. Um, yeah. So this is a strange thing about the, the year. Years gone past and um, what we expected to be something that would last, say, a month or two months. People were saying, well, three and a half months, you know, extended to over a year. And I'm in the middle of... Um, in Turkey now, there's a situation where the lockdown is such that after 7 p.m. you can't leave. It's a curfew in the evenings in Ramadan. From two weeks ago, when the Taraweeh was, you know, we were getting ready for Taraweeh in the mosques two weeks ago. Announcements that Taraweeh would not be prayed in the mosque. To now, there is a situation of a curfew. And so you have that. And in the UK, you have an opening of sorts. People booking their place in the masjid, which you know, last year you couldn't do that. This year you can actually book your um, taraweeh place in the masjid. And um, it is the new normal, I think, in some way. Um, it does not mean that life stops. It does not mean that the questions that we asked before and the, and our preoccupations and our things that were important to us as, as a community change because of the fact that we are in precarious situations. I mean, everybody's in a precarious situation. People have precarious employment um, you know, students are, are having a very difficult year in terms of coming to terms with distant learning. Also, ourselves, I suppose, we've had to experiment with an on, online 
teaching platform, which has been fairly successful. Um, so everything is changing. But I think, you know, within the context of change and taghayyur, this kind of aspect of constant reflux and change, there's this aspect that I think we cannot and we should not and we should never let go of, which is, uh, you know, a thawabit. So in Islamic law, we have this idea of taghayyurat, which are the mm-hmm. things that change. Rulings change, people change, times change, place changes. So, for example, I'm wearing, I mean, in, um, you know, I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago with a brother here from America. Um, this came to my mind now, actually. And he asked me, he never met me before, so we started speaking. And then one of the first questions he asked me was, "How? what kind of clothes should I wear when I'm walking about in Istanbul? And I said, well, whatever people are used to, and they fulfill the basic, you know, rules of, you know, covering up. And he says, no, there's people telling me I have to wear, you know, the jubba and, you know, a lot of traditional clothing. But when people see me, normal Turkish people see me, they find it strange and I find it difficult to speak to them. I said, you know, this is one of the things that time and place makes a big difference. You're American. You've come to Istanbul. Wear what these people in Istanbul wear so you can at least speak to them. Because he was saying that they were kind of not engaging with him. They were kind of, I would say, quote, unquote, quote um, you know, prejudicial against him. Um, and so you're a foreigner, you're American, or you're an Arab. He was an Arab. And I said, look, as much as you can do to make break the barriers down, you should do that. The Prophet used to wear all different types of clothing from different cultures and different civilizations. He never um, specifically told people off unless the clothing was in, inappropriate. And so those are things that are taghayyurat. These are things that change in our lives, hmm. time, place. But there's things that are thawabit. Thawabit are things that are established, you know, they're, they're, they're stuck in the ground as established facts and stationary ideas. And I think what people do, especially in, over this period of a year or so, is that they have felt so much of these changes that, you know, everything's up for change. Everything's up for discussion. But I think as a Muslim community, we should remember that we have something that is so beautiful, so powerful which is the deen and the Prophet ﷺ and our concept of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the worship of God and the month of Ramadan and the fasting and the hajj, all these things which are thawabit, which are established and set, that we should start to you know reflect on them as we always reflect on, upon them. This is a year amongst many years that we'll go through in our lives, inshallah. A difficult year for many people, but a prosperous year for many people in different ways. You know, you may have lessened in your physical income or you may have, you know, had people that, you know, we're beloved to you, that you've lost and unable to kind of, as we know, you know, say goodbye to people that we love so much. But the thawabit, which are the things that keep us anchored and mm. keep us solid as human beings and make us face up to the tribulations and trials that people face, those are the things I think we have to always come back to. Basic things as Muslims. Mm. We always take them for granted, but thawabit, just the blessing of five times a day in a set kind of movement of the sun, we are praying at set times tawabit. So, so the constants and variables. Yeah, the constants and variables. The, the variables that are now, you know, in the past, before the pandemic, the variables, variables everyone knew what the variables were. So, you know, interest rates in, in, in the bank would go up 0.0% or something like that. And employment would go up, you know, 0.1% in a year or something like that. Everything was stable, fairly stable. And, you know, in 20, 30 years before, they were perhaps more volatile. But now, you know, if you think about it, you know, in the UK, for example, Brexit, and you've got the, in Scotland, you've got independence discussion. Um, you've got all sorts of discussions amongst world leaders about NATO and the relationship between the American, American um, states and, and Russia and China. There is so much change. And then you add in the pandemic that we just think, as human beings, psychologically, we think everything is going to change. Hmm. But does Allah change? You know? He's before time and place. You know, and we worship a, a, a Lord who is beyond time and place, who created time and space and place, everything. And so that is the thing that I think is our passport, is our you know, ID card. In terms of as a community, we stand... As 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 a testimony to our own faith, but also as a people that call to something that 
I mean, we say this is something that's established and set and will never change. And so, you know, when we were discuss discussing, you know, what to do, what to look at in this um, section and reflections, hmm. for some reason, Surat Al-Anbiya came to my mind. I don't know why. I mean, to be honest, I was stuck between that and Surat Al-Isra. Yeah. And I didn't know why the two kept coming into my mind because I hadn't read them. I mean, re I mean, recently in terms of studied them and said, okay, let's do this. Um, it was similar to last year, Surat Al-Kahf, when we choose, chose it. But Surat Al-Anbiya, for some reason, um, I'm not sure because it's a distant memory. There must be something in that chapter that I think um, points towards this idea of constancy and, and um, stability. Surah, um, surah Anbiya, is, uh, for our listeners, is the surah, inshallah, that we're going to cover. Last year, we did surah, um, no, surah Kahf, surah Kahf, and uh, Yajuj, Majuj um, was one of the things that we covered in it. And the, the relation between the surah itself and the pandemic, uh, this year, uh, when we mentioned that we're going to cover uh, Surah Ambiya, I tried to look at the relationship. And first, it was like, what's what's the context? But there is. Um, let's listen to the first five verses of Surah Ambiya. And inshallah, we'll have a, a comment from Sheikh Rizwan on these verses. <laughs> In the name of Allah, the entirely merciful, the especially merciful. The time of their account has approached for the people, while they are in heedlessness turning away. No mention comes to them anew from their Lord, except that they listen to it while they are at play. With their hearts distracted, and those who do wrong conceal their private conversation, saying, Is this prophet except a human being like you? So would you approach magic while you are aware of it? The Prophet said, My Lord knows whatever is said throughout the heaven and earth, and He is the hearing, the knowing. But they say, the revelation is but a mixture of false dreams. Rather, he has invented it. Rather, he is a poet. So let him bring us a sign, just as the previous messengers were sent with miracles. Surah Anbiya Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Shuru Allah ke naam se jo bada meherban rahim karne wala hai kareeb aa gaya hai logon ke hisab ka waqt aur wo hain ke ghaflat mein muh mode hue hain unke paas jo taaza nasihat bhi unke rab ki taraf se aati hai usko batakalluf sunte hain aur khel mein pade rehte hain dil unke dusri hi fikron mein munhamik hain और जालिम आपस में सरगोशियां करते हैं कि ये शख्स आखिर तुम जैसा एक बशर ही तो है फिर क्या तुम आंखों देखे जादू के फंदे में फंस जाओगे रसूल ने कहा सल्लल्लाहु अलैहि वसल्लम मेरा रब हर उस बात को जानता है जो आसमान और जमीन में की जाए वो समी और अलीम है वो कहते हैं बल्कि 
یہ پراگندہ خواب ہیں بلکہ یہ ان کی یہ اس کی من گھڑت ہے بلکہ یہ شخص شاعر ہے ورنہ یہ لائے کوئی نشانی جس طرح پرانے زمانے کے رسول نشانیوں کے ساتھ بھیجے گئے تھے صدق اللہ العظیم فرسٹ فائیو ورسز آف سورہ انبیاء آئی تھنک پروبلی where they are coming out of a very grueling, testing, troublesome period with the Quraysh. Very difficult. We all know the difficulties of the of the period within which the community was tortured and, and put under immense stress. You know, we would see our own, some kind of, you know, humanly imposed pandemic context among, among you know, upon the community. They were sidelined. They were... in a siege mentality they were actually placed outside Mecca al-Mukarrama in a small valleyway um and so this is the period that's after this this is the period when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reminding the Quraysh that their time is limited that the time of their um you know their kind of take being taken to task is is approaching very very quickly and so all of these chapters that come towards the period at the end of the Meccan age are reminding people about simple truths. I mean, this is why Thawabit, this idea of st- stable ideas and stable beliefs and unchanging realities is so important because belief in God, the importance of prophets, the, the fact that people will be taken to task for what they've done on earth. Um, you know, it's like Ubay ibn Khalaf, the very famous enemy of the Prophet You know, when the Prophet was not a was not proclaimed a prophet is before the announcement of prophethood um you know Ubay ibn Khalaf he basically squandered people's wealth he basically any trader that came into Mecca al-Mukarramah he would basically engage and trade with them and not pay them back and so the Prophet you know famously with other people entered into this hilf this very hilf that it was called the the, the 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 treaty of chivalry in which they guaranteed that people that came would be protected and 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 given what they were due and um you know those kind of established things were were something that people were forgetting the fact that justice is such an important thing that the prophets come with good good te- teachings and pure teachings and teachings that will elevate you the chapter comes simply with that message and so from that perspective you would say this chapter is a very simple and i've i've seen it explained by people that teach it they would say it's a very simple straightforward chapter it's warning people about the the the, the hereafter it's warning people about being truthful and just um it's it's it remind them of the teachings of prophets but you know the quran um from a perspective the simplicity that the message has um belies the complexity and and um nuances that the message also has so this is what's fascinating with the quran is that you would see from the first appearance you know oh mankind judgment's coming you better you better get ready that's it and there's people that will scoff because they scoffed at the prophets before you that's a simple kind of um you know summary of, of the chapter but to honest subhanallah the arabic and the and the and the and the structure of the language that's used it it just gives you an insight into what into the psychology of the human being who's being spoken to so i don't know if you know if you can understand this iqtaraba lin nasi hisabuhum wa hum fi ghaflatin muridun yeah so you know literally speaking iqtaraba means to 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 come close to or to approach but what's fascinating here is is not what's being said so if i was a, if i was given the meaning right away the first verse that the that the judgment of, of of people is coming fast approaching them and they are um, heedless um to it you know turning away that's it but what's fascinating is the way it's said in the quran and and the picture of the human psychology of an event taking place that they know will take place 
and they know is approaching and you know that you have to do something for it and despite that you are you know as they say in urdu jan bujke you know despite mm. knowing it you are essentially ignoring it it's almost like you're in debt and you've got these letters coming through your your door and you know you're going to have to pay for it you you know there's going to be some recompense or some kind of infollow to this and you just put them under the, the you know under the rug ignoring them and so what's fascinating here is the first word itself it is interesting because iqtaraba means to to come close or to approach but to be honest in arabic what it means is that there's two things coming together it's not one thing mm. so if, if i see the trains approaching you're you're standing at the you know in the good old days you would travel to places or you're waiting for the airplane you know the plane's approaching but it's approaching something and the image in the quran is that two things are moving and they're coming closer together like you're coming closer to the hisab the hisab is essentially the judgment and within the judgment is this image of a time where the judgment will take place so use your imagination and then a judge who will stand above you in his majesty which is allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his authority and his power and will call you to account so these two things happening you are moving because you know when you're born you don't go backwards you don't get younger you know the moment you're born you don't go back into a fetus state and then from that go into a state of an ovary and and a sperm or and then back into a dream into you know a twinkle in the eye of your parents kind of thing do you, do you understand you're going forward you can't cry yeah. and say i want to get back into the womb because you know some of the scholars did say that when children come into the earth they they cry because of the of the the, the difficulty and the test and tribulation that the world is from the safety of the womb you know and then you know it's 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 interesting because we will continue to move on and we will catch up with something that's in front of us and we're going to go through our life and you know the pandemic has shown that you know death is very close to people people are very very um and i was reading an article today about you know during the pandemic a lot of people have started to show extreme signs of of agitation and 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 um and fear out of death and they don't leave the house so these are people that have left their jobs they they remain in their house if they go and have any supplies coming and they wash them and sit sit down and kind of clean them because they're afraid they're going to die so mm-hmm. it wasn't the case before now it's the fact that human beings when they realize that death is close like saying that Abu Bakr radiyallahu anhu says that every day we walk and and learn and wake well death is closer to us than our, the strings of our shoes you know? it seems okay uh, there is this academic conversation and then there is mm. theoretical theoretical conversation of knowing that god always reminds us in in quran uh, one day this world will finish and one day you and i are going to perish uh, as people mm. and this is like one day uh, but it seems from here that in the past nations have been wiped out of the face of the earth um are we in this sura looking at that kind of situation uh where we are in pandemic because you know you, you see young people dying you see old people uh getting uh, very close to death and it, it's not normal what new normal is you just don't know who is going to be the next victim of yeah remember remember um last year when we were meeting just before ramadan i think it was a couple of days before ramadan you mentioned somebody who was uh who was who was very very helpful to Reid Ramadan who passed away from covid and yes. he was you remember i remember that conversation very well um and you were say, you were shocked because you were saying we didn't expect we expect a line of people and, and the line is like 70 80 90 then you know you yeah, don't yeah. you don't you don't skip the queue anymore because medical advancement and all the rest of it you know the, the reality of death now is that it it just throws in another thing that makes you wonder when your end will be the point is there's one thing in reality one in life that's a reality which is death hmm. it's like the german philosopher martin heidegger said that the one the only thing in life that you will experience that you can experience like experience like nobody else can experience is death because you can watch a movie like other people can watch a movie you can go to i don't know was imax kind of 
surround the movie experience you can get the food that other people can eat you can go on the holidays that other people you can go to the sites that other people can see you can enjoy everything and you can feel the difficulties of everything but death is that moment when you're approaching and and the angel of death comes and your reaction to the angel of death is exactly your your experience you're not going to copy somebody and think oh i saw that movie and when they were passing away they were doing these moves and i'm going to try and do the same thing i guarantee in life, people do that when they come into a situation, they play act. And they, you know, I've seen children do this when they, you know, when you say something to them, they'll say something, but it's actually not them. It's probably a cartoon or it's a movie that they've watched. But in death, you may have watched a thousand scenes where people die. Mm. Do you understand? And you, you know, you, you know, you probably watch them over-exaggerating or under-exaggerating. You won't think of somebody else and try and die like that person dies. Whereas in life, usually we're we're play acting in some way. We're 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 taking on roles that we are not essentially our own. So death is the great, you know, the great level the leveler. And the Prophet said, that it's the thing that destroys pleasure. Hmm. It doesn't mean it it takes away pleasure completely. It puts pleasure in its context, in its proper place. You know, so if you're a person that remembers death as it should be remembered, it doesn't mean you're walking around you know, gloomy and sad and, and wow. fearful. No, you're not. The Prophet was, um, you know, just one of the descriptions in Imam Tabarani's collection is that Daim al Husni, no, he was Daim al Bishri Mutawasil al Ahzan. He was always cheerful. You know, always cheerful. You know, if, if somebody came to him and he was in the most difficult time in his seerah, he would smile. He would make sure he saw that they. That he appreciated them. But Mutawasil al Ahzan was he was constantly in a state of inner turmoil, of Huzn, which is, you know, fearing for what will happen to other people in the future. So that, well, that was hidden. Al Ahzan, Huzn. Mutawasil meaning embracing Huzn? No, Mutawasil is like you are constantly in a state. Wasl. You wasl. Mutawasil. It's very similar. It's like this idea of constantly regurgitating and going through the same thing. Mutawasil means in a constant state of huzn. So huzn is always like you're talking, thinking about things that happened in the past and you're hoping that they would get better. And the Prophet you know, prayed for so many people that passed away and he hoped, hoped that they would come into um, a good state. And so the Prophet was both and he wouldn't let you know, the Qada and Qadr to overtake him and overpower him. He was always on, on you know, as you would say, on the front foot, always looking mm. to see what he could do. Mm. And so this chapter is is one of human beings moving. So there's Iqtirab, which is you are moving, and then the Hisab is moving. The difference is, if you say, well, you're going to come together at some point, you're going to come to your grave, and the, and the Qiyamah is going to come closer to you. What's the difference? The difference is, the psychological state of you as opposed to the the intent of the thing coming towards you. What does that mean? Basically, you are ghafla, you're ghafil, you're basically heedless, and you're not really bothering about it, and it's the last thing in your mind. Mm. Whereas the thing that's coming towards you is coming, hurtling towards you at an unspeakable rate. So this is why Allah uses iqtaraba. In other words, this thing is coming towards human beings and human beings are going towards it. What's coming? It's their hisab. And what's fascinating about this is the hisab conjures up in our minds not just judgment, which is a judgment of you know, what have you done in your life? How have you treated this person? How have you spent your life? It's the fact that everything around that comes to comes to. You know, if you get a letter from the court, it's not the letter that's scaring you, is it? I mean, you have the letter, it's, it's a piece of paper. It's, a, it's the consequences, yeah. It's who sent the letter, who typed it up, who sent it, who's going to be at the other side in, in the in the court, what kind of um, judge is it going to be? You know, what the, the jury, are they going to find me guilty? If I'm guilty, then what kind of prison do I go to? If I go to prison, then do I have to share, share a cell, etc., etc., etc.? You're not going to be thinking... Oh, this lovely paper, this smell, this got scented paper. <laughs> you, you don't care about the paper, you don't care about the tech, you don't care about anything, you care about the end. And so when Allah says, Hisab, judgment, 
So the whole point is before you go into this that part you just recited, Hisabuhum, when you get Hisab, then you have ultimately you have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there as a judge. Liman al Allah says, To whom does the dominion belong today? Lillah to God. The one, the qahar, the one that is overpowering. And so at that moment, you should think, oh my goodness, everybody should be ready, standing up and, and just waiting for that and preparing for it. That is where you should be. Everybody intelligent would say, if these two things are happening, you're approaching your death and the hisab is approaching you. And the hisab is, uh, uh, is basically ibarah. It's basically an expression of God and his justice being wrought upon you and your actions then everybody would imagine that people would be in line, towing the line. They would be taking themselves to account and living a life that they are ready to face Allah with. But Allah says, وَهُمْ Whereas this reality is, هُمْ فِي غَفْلَتِهِمْ They are in this state of heedlessness. And this is where it becomes um, extremely interesting because they're in this state of ghafla. Ghafla is not a serious problem, if you think about it. Ghafla is basically heedlessness, a lack of attention, um, a lack of focus, a lack of preparation. You just didn't think you didn't think it was worthy of the preparation. So everybody would say, "Well, okay, when hisab comes, Allah won't judge them because they're not they're not ready." The whole point is your life is based upon decisions and looking at what you do and, and then making choices. And so is this not the biggest choice in life that how do you live your life? Hmm. Would you not imagine that this is the biggest choice in life is how you live your life? And people say, let and live, let, let live and let live. Because they've thought about it. They say, you know, the way to live life is to live and let the other person live. But behind that is a very good, very good moral, which is you shouldn't be unjust to people. So if you if you don't if you if you're unjust you're not letting the other person live. So everybody has this concept of justice. You know, it's very it's very important that everybody should understand that everybody has a, a, an understanding that justice is good. You know, I, I, I'm I'm saying like, if I said to you, you know, being just is good, and it's rational, you'd accept that. Would you say that no, it's irrational to be just? No, because every country in the world intends to do that and you know and the only reason it is rational is because justice is a good thing to do it's a good end result like a judge given the right judgment so in america for example this case where the this um you know afro-american was basically murdered you know by a police officer um or committed acts which led took steps which led to the, the death of that person, whatever way you want to you, you know, present it. It's good that justice is done. But the thing is, you know yourself, we do, you know that case that's happening in America, I don't want to comment on it, but imagine what should have been done isn't done. Imagine what we know is justice has not happened. Okay, and then he dies and, if, and that person's already dead and the family grieve and they die as well. Everybody goes into the grave the, the the maggots and the worms eat the flesh up. Mm. That's it finished. Where's the justice? There's no justice. Mm. But everybody, why does everybody act just? Why you know why do you act justly? If you knew that justice always you know misses the mark and people are not at the end of the day treated in complete justice, why are you just? Think about it. The reason you're just is deep down in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit, you know that there will be a day when everybody who has been unjustly treated will be brought in front of yes. al-Malik al-Qahar. Do you understand? And this is why Immanuel Kant, the famous um, German philosopher said, that's why God exists. Because everybody acts justly. Everybody, you know, you know, always tries to do the right thing, even if they know the consequences won't be perfect. Because, you know, they might die and no, nothing comes out of it. But they do it because deep, deep down in our psychology, we believe that there is a power that will bring justice even after we've gone into our graves. 
And so this chapter is such an amazing chapter, it actually proves that God exists. It actually proves that, proves that God exists from Hisab, the whole idea of Hisab. Nobody's going to say, no, our Hisab's not coming. Do you understand? Look, nobody's going to say, no, Hisab's not coming. No, we don't believe that Hisab's going to come. The only people that do that are people that have no morality. And those people, no one you take seriously anyway. So the Quran says to them, your Hisab's coming, which means Allah exists and you're going to be brought in front of Allah and you better watch it how you're doing your actions. And are you still in a situation where you are fi ghaflatin? Are you still in a situation where you're in heedlessness? Mu'ridun, which is actually worse. Because it's not just that they are in a state of heedlessness, that you just don't, haven't been bothered, or you've not paid the bill, or you've kind of, you've forgotten. Mu'ridun means intentionally turning around. Intentionally saying, I don't care. I couldn't care less. And, and how can you stand in front of Allah on that day when you've already said in life, I don't care. I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it. Nobody can stop me. And you go into your grave and you're brought up and raised up in front of Allah. And you're given your hisab and the scales are set in front of you. And there's nothing on the scales. Or there might be something on the scales. You know, the Prophet said, Al-Muflis, Man, man Al-Muflis, famous hadith, Prophet when he said to the companions, you know who the person who's bankrupt is? And they said, a person amongst those bankrupt is a person who has no um, gold or silver. The Prophet said, no, it's the person that comes and day of judgment with actions and prayer and fasting and all the good actions that you can say. The hadith goes on, kill this person, slander this person, hit this person. And essentially what happens is the scales are filled up from both parties. He has all these good actions, they just go to the other person. Hisab. There's your hisab. And so this chapter, you know, even though it's saying something so simple, it has such deep, deep roots in what every human being, not just Muslims, every human being realizes that there will be a day when everybody will come in, will come, come in front of Allah and, and answer for the actions that they did on this earth. Hmm. And this is a thing that gives there, there, such... There is, there, is, yeah. there, is a, there is a day where accountability is and people who... And most human beings would feel that they haven't been given justice in this world because they've been wronged by someone. And the only way they could be compensated is on the Day of Judgment. The compensation can't be given on this earth. I mean, um, no, I mean, look, look at um, something came to match when you started that sentence. It was, I'm thinking what it was. Yes, it was Sayyidina Uthman. You know, he was. Um, he was involved in a in a a, a dispute with, with somebody else who claimed that Uthman owed him money and he went to the judge and the judge um said, Okay, Uthman, there's no proof against you, so just swear an oath and you and you're free. Okay. And he said use the name of Allah on earth for something so trivial as worth as wealth. No, I'll I'll give him the money. Because uh-huh. He didn't want to go in front of Allah and be questioned about that one thing, which is, you remember you swore an oath. Maybe you forgot. Maybe you did do it. Even though he knew he didn't do it, there's no proof. But Sayyidina Uthman, you know, he, you know there's, there's something about the, some of the companions that it baffles me, or always baffles me, that their, their understanding of, of Hisab and reality of the hereafter was such and so strong that it was more real than what they lived at the time. But for the daughter that was killed just because she she was a female, uh, for the man that gets killed on the road, roadside, mm-hmm. for, for someone who receives a bullet just passing by, mm-hmm. the accountability for that person. Yeah, there's no justice. I mean, you will not get justice because it will just be, you know, like in wars, like, you know, the the British government, you know, with the American government went to war didn't go to war actually just opened up a, a a you know unspeakable um state of affairs in Iraq and and which spilled it into the rest of the middle east um you know those was it you're going into the millions now you know in terms of Iraq and and the, and the people that were killed and the and the they call it, you know, quote unquote such a horrible term collateral damage and yeah. and you know all these kind of terms where's the justice 
these people that took the decisions are walking about in conferences, laughing and having lavish meals and 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 making decisions about other people's destinies, even to this day. Yep. Where's the justice? Qatar. Yep. <laughs> Do you understand? Like you have wars in the Middle East that be proxy wars between different governments and, and each of them is as guilty as the other. You know, subhanAllah, if, if you just think of one person who's been affected in that way and you know that they cannot get justice because the person is so distant, you know, is beyond borders, is beyond this border but protected by, you know, a whole army of, of, of agents that protect him from being brought to justice. Where's the justice? Hmm. You know, the essential thing is that you know, the believer knows that justice is coming, whether he gets in this life or the hereafter, it doesn't matter. The point is, the believer remains just. The believer does not, you know, this is what something that Omar Mukhtar, who was the, the, the head of the, the uprising against the, the, in, in Libya against the, the Italian um, colonial, colonial powers, you know, they tortured and they maimed and they mutilated dead people of, of amongst the Libyans. And when some of his soldiers did the same, he rebuked them and said, they're not our teachers. They're not our, you know, if they're immoral, we, we're, we know Hisab, the Hisab's coming and the Hisab will be to us, even if we had a reason for doing it, if it's in, unjust, you know, subhanAllah, that is not something that we will ever contemplate doing because we know it and we do it and we live it because Allah is watching us. That He's with you wherever you are, as the Quran says. So, you know, the beginning of Surah Al-Anbiya is just, I just the first, you know, line or first verse, it just, you can open it up into such an amazing discussion because it does so many different things. It has this movement, idea of movement, almost like a cinematic presentation of two things colliding. One which doesn't know it's coming and the other thing coming with intent. And it has this idea of hisab which conjures up this image of the hereafter and judgment. And then it conjures up this idea despite this, this obvious reality. There's one party that is just playing on the side of the street, playing and not really caring anything at all. And boom, everything happens. Death. One is heedless, another one is turning away. Those of you who just joined us, uh, either on Facebook, on YouTube, or on our website, this is Reflections uh, at Radio Ramadan. Um, our FM frequency is 87.7. Surah Ambiya, 21st Surah of the Quran, is under discussion. Uh, the, the first ayah, I was going to play actually five. Uh, uh, verses and Sheikh said, Well, two will be enough. And guess what? In the last 40 minutes, we've just covered one. Mustafa Jani Rehmat Pelakhun Salam. So, we were trying to decide on what will be the track of this reflections this year. And this came out of nowhere. And Alhamdulillah, I think fortunate Mustafa Jani Rahmat Bilakun Salam. One of the segments of reflections is going to be remembering the Prophet with his names given to him in Quran or uh, in the traditions that we know. Um, and the link between the surah and the names of Prophet. And this track that we will constantly play, Mustafa Jani, a very powerful track. Mustafa Jani Rahmat Bay, Lakhon Salam. In this surah as well, the, the second ayah uh, starts talking about, the second or third ayah starts talking about how the heedless people are actually going to blame those who are taking heed that why are you following this man who is just a man and maybe just a magician. Astaghfirullah. So, Sheikh. Continuing on from this theme, one of the names of Prophet وسلم, uh, is uh, Hashir, and we have Shaykh on mute. Yes. Yeah, Hashir, absolutely. This one of the names of the Prophet Ali Salatu Wasalam. Um, and yeah, one of the things I was I was going to say is that we we obviously decided last night on this track. I think it was last night, late last night. Yes. You texted me this. What's interesting is that you texted me this and it just had just been released, this track. Yep. And um, you sent it to me and I, I listened to it 
and it, it brought memories back of when I was very young. Yes. You know, I memorized it for before I even knew how to pray, I think. And this what's is... interesting is, yes, yeah, the interesting is the next morning when I woke up this morning, my sister text, you know, forwarded it to my wife who forwarded it to me and said, you know, that this um, track's coming. And I said, of course I knew it. <laughs> and she said, how do you know it? And I said, I know, you know, you know why I'm, I know every, not everything, but I, I'm up to date. And she said, it just came out last night. And I said, I know. It's, uh, <laughs> so it's very, it's very strange that my sister saw it. She sent it to my wife, then passed on to me the first thing I heard. The last thing I, I I listened to when I fell asleep after Suhoor and Prime Fajr was that track. Yep. And the morning when I woke up, getting the kids ready for their you know education was that track because my wife said, you know, this this has come out. So it's Mustafa it's such a beautiful Mustafa Jani. And this um this naat is by uh, Ahmad Khan Rida, who's from India initially. Um. And it's one of the most famous, um, you know, um, na'at, which is a description of the Prophet And so one of the things we decided a couple, it was two days ago, was to, to deliberate and, and, and reflect upon the names of the Prophet Ali Salatu Wasalam as we were doing this chapter, because this chapter is called Al-Anbiya, the Prophets, a plural. In other words, there's all these Prophets that Allah has sent, some known and some not known. Some we know nothing of their life, like Zul Kifal, we know nothing of his life. And there's some people we know about their life more than we know about even a living president today. You know, the detail, the motives, the type of person he was, وسلم, his names. Do you know anybody alive today that has, you know, Imam Ashami, he wrote a, a work with over a thousand work, you know, a thousand names to the Prophet Ali Salatu Wasalam, Subul Huda wa Rashad, the author of that, Sheikh Salihi. Collected far more in terms of names of the Prophet Ali Salatu Wasalam. We're thinking this is over 1,450 1, years that have passed, and people have spoken, commented, and fallen in love with a person who had such beautiful names because had such beautiful character. Hmm. Because the names are essentially a, a, a projection of character and attributes. You know, so you said Hashir. So the first came, name came, came to your mind was Hashir because. Hisab, I, I think that's yeah. why. Yeah, so that's why I said that Hisab brings to mind um, the scales. The scales bring to mind the Hashar, um, which brings to, to mind Al Hashir. And Al Hashir, the Prophet said, and Al Hashir, I am the Hashir. Um, that people will be raised up at my feet on the day of judgment. Hmm. So, so right away, you know, you know, I was saying the fear that you have that you're going to be in the presence of Allah answering for every single thing you've done. But what's amazing is that, you know, a true believer in the Prophet will be brought up in the, in the vicinity of his blessed feet. Hmm. SubhanAllah. Allah you know, Allah. the fear that you have of Allah will be tempered with the love that you know you have for the Prophet and that he is, you know, the Prophet said to one of the companions, uh, you know, it was, it was very late at night and the Prophet the, per the person was giving the Prophet water for his wudu and the Prophet said to him, ask anything you want. And he said, Murafaqatik fil Jannah. I want your companionship, you know, in the hereafter. And the Prophet said to one of them, he said, ahab. A person is with the person they love. And so if you're a person that has intense care and love for the Prophet and respect, and on the day that you know that people will be fleeing their children and their wives and their wealth, everything will flee, will disappearing from their gaze. The only thing that you will you will remember is yourself, and the only person that will remember you is the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, al Hashir. So when we say al Hashir, we don't mean the Prophet is being proud. He's telling you that in your life, if you if you neglect anything, never neglect. Your connection to him, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. It's just amazing, amazing, amazing quality that in us, in such a fearful state, he can just appear and say, "Ummati, ummati, my my community, my community," and that's essentially what it is. We're all people that fall short. Remembering uh, Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, I remember asking you once in one of the reflections that 
um, one of these oddballs that why do we have to, why is it part of our faith to send durood on Prophet Sallallahu what, how does it make sense that we keep praising a creation of the Creator? What makes mm. Him, Sallallahu Alaihi so special that we are asked to do this as part of our faith? Mm. And what, is, what was the answer? Mm. I want you to remember that. Yeah, I don't remember anything I say, to be honest. To, so my students know this. It's a gratitude. Whoever... It's a gratitude that He gave us, He introduced us. Yeah, that's just one level of it. I mean, there's so many levels to that question, depending on what comes to mind at the time. Gratitude, shukr. You know, whoever does not, the Prophet said, whoever does not give um, shukr to creation does not give shukr to Allah. So you cannot praise Allah by neglecting the Prophet ﷺ. You can't jump over the Prophet ﷺ to get to your goal, which is pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says in the Quran, what? In kuntum Allah Boom. That is that is just a verse that falls out of the, the sky and, and this smashes a, a, a thousand misconceptions of the Prophet Ali would say, O oh people, that if you claim to love Allah, then follow me. Then God will love you. <laughs> hmm. It's only then that Allah will love you. If, if you saying you love Allah, Allah. This is the equation, this is a mathematical algorithm that you have to use. If you sing you love God, okay, here's the here's the equation. Follow me. Are you true in 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 in, in fitness and in health, in, in 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 difficulty and ease, in all situations, in wealth and happiness, in in your in your situations of illness and in situations of health, every single situation of fear and hope. Follow me. Hmm. Look at what I did and follow me. Do what I did. You have a problem, follow me. If you're angry, follow me. If you're happy, follow me. And then Allah will love you. And do not think that that person deserves durud salam you know, prayers and, and salutations. So. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala Muhammad. We leave uh, all our listeners with this thought to get to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We need to love Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Mustafa Jani Rahmat Bilakum salam.